gonna ruin the Disney magic for a second. I'm sorry. Ten toes down, boys. We're in for a good one. <laughs> well said. All right, my friends, it's Social Q&A Live. That's an epically hard to pronounce name. It is. And then dive into your questions around dating. This much is fucking good at social dynamics and relationships. That's like a shot of a dip. Yo, what's good, my friends? It's Adam here, and welcome to the Social Q&A Live audio strip taken right from the YouTube live sesh. I opened it up to questions on dating, relationships, social dynamics, anything in the world of human interaction. So you guys can join those live sessions over on YouTube basically every Friday, 10 a.m. Australian Central Standard Time, for the time being anyway. Now, if you guys would like to receive a quick sip of social dynamics every Friday, you can sign up to the free weekly email newsletter, The Bowl Sip. Every week, I send out a free article on Fridays. That's actually taking me quite a bit of time to write nowadays. They used to be pretty quick, but now I go real deep into them. I also use it as a way to update the resources of wisdom, which you guys can find at boldojo.com. So any quotes I found that week, uh, any music, updates to the Panda Emperor Sexy Time playlist or the We Take 9000 playlist, you know, all those things, anime, documentaries, movies, anything that's going to the resources of wisdom, you can stay up to date with that through the bowl sip so all you have to do to sign up to it is just head to boldojo.com slide your email in and then check your inbox for the confirmation email and also for all emails going forward if you don't think you've received it on friday just check your promotions folder in gmail or your spam folder in outlook etc because basically any email that has links in it gets automatically thrown into the uh, promotions thing so if you don't think you got it, just check those folders, okay? Now, if you guys are looking to dive into a little bit of deeper educational content, you can head over to boldoja.com and number one, pick up the brand new guided meditation, Eternal Energy. It's a deep dive into who you are and a guiding hand into evolving beyond. Featuring five tracks. Number one, cultivating your scented energy. Number two, revealing your darkness. Number three, creating your light. Number four, unlocking your sexual flow. And finally, wrapping things up with the fifth track, One Energy returning you back to the hole. It took me a solid two months to produce that bad boy and it's an absolute journey. So if you would like to dive into something a lot deeper, go ahead and pick that up at boldoja.com. Along with that, if you are looking to get your day game sorted, your social dynamics sorted, if you've been walking down the street and you're seeing a beautiful woman, you just don't know what the hell to do with yourself, well then I've got you covered there as well. Adam's Crash Course Kick-Ass Day Game eBook is also available at boldoja.com. Quick action guide. Most importantly, it is not a sit in your chair at home and read and then go hmm that sounds theoretically reasonable you need to actually get out there and apply that's what it's intended to be used when i created it it was meant to be something you go out with come home with reference with in terms of real world action it just doesn't really make sense until you're actually going out there and meeting people so that's what it's intended for you want to use it as your uh, teacher as your guide as your kind of pseudo adam along your journey. Along with that, I highly recommend pairing up a 30-day challenge with it. Anyone who buys the ebook, you just need to check your emails within 24 to 48 hours afterwards. I personally email basically everyone with a little tips for the ebook. And in that email, I recommend you get on a 30-day challenge and pair that with the ebook. Uh, it's just it harkens back to how I got my journey and how I corrected my life at the beginning, corrected my social freedom, freedom of choice in my dating life came through the 30-day challenge it's powerful so that's what i highly recommend and if you guys want more uh information on the 30-day challenge i often drop links in that email as well and then finally for those that are really looking to dive deeper create action plans bust through their limiting beliefs i do offer one-on-one skype coaching 
the bowl inside is probably the best way to go, which is for my deeper level clients who sign up to packages. Packages are completely customizable to you based on frequency, based on volume. But basically what bowl inside members get over once off Skype sessions is number one, priority messaging. They get access to my private WhatsApp number and within 24 hours, I will respond to them outside of Australian weekends based on anything. They need feedback on a situation they're dealing with this girl, this guy, family members, business relationships, etc. Want to check that text conversation, want to send me that audio, I'm going to be there for them. The second benefit Bowl Insiders get is priority bookings, which basically means you get fast-tracked that if you want to get in a session today and maybe someone was 50-50 about it, well, you get that session. You get your session times prioritized above everyone else. And especially for my clients uh, around the world with arranging time zones, it proves to be quite beneficial. So if you are interested in diving into the Bowl Inside packages, then you can just hit me up at bowldojo.com. In the product section, you find all the links there and actually the links to everything I've just spoken about, guided meditation, ebook, all at bowldojo.com. Just hit the product section and I'll see you soon. Now, if you guys would like to support this channel directly, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link. You can do this two ways. Number one, on bowldojo.com, in the Boulderjo podcast section, there's actually a donate straight through the website uh, link right in that section there. So you guys can get that. Or you can also just go straight to PayPal, which is paypal.me forward slash A-D-A-M-O-O-I, Adamui, and you can donate anything that you wish. And I just want to say that whether you donate through the Super Chat on YouTube or you do it directly through the website or PayPal, anything that you donate is so greatly appreciated. It just helps keeping this show going. It lets me know that you guys truly value it. So thank you so much for all that have donated in the past and for all that will in the future. Anthony Kanchesta. And with all that being said, let's finally dive into social Q&A live. Yosha! Moshere. Moshere. This is quite some time into the interaction. We've already been walk- on a walking instant day. We've already been chilling out the front of a hotel we're standing here. She's waiting for her male friend to meet her. He's not here yet, and uh, we've just been we've just been chilling, all right? You live here, do you? No. Oh, you work as a nanny. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. Are you good to go this way? Uh, I need to wait here for. Oh, the double tree. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I won't keep uh, keep you for too long because I do have to go meet my mate. But I feel like we need to continue this. And, uh, let's go on an adventure sometime. <laughs> let's find a green tea or a coffee. I don't know. Well, you said you like coffee. Yeah. I don't drink coffee, though. <laughs> but let's go on an adventure sometime and uh, get to know each other. Boba? No, it's processed shit. It's so processed. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you vegan too? What? Are you vegan? No. No. No, no, but I just do like to. I like the health life as well. Uh, hey! There you are. Sorry, I got lost a little bit. So her friend walked into the interaction. So basically after that, after that, I, I just made, oh, actually, you can probably hear that if you want. You hear me address him. Uh, hello. Nice Hi. to meet you. How's Adam. Jason. Jason. Nice hey. to meet you. Been waiting long? He's just like a tall white male. We literally just arrived. And we just met yeah. as well at the same time. Yeah, I was like, keep cruising, texting you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, do you use WhatsApp or do you use Instagram? Or? Instagram, yeah. Okay. My phone number changed all the time, so right, that's you're... not very reliable source. Okay. So uh, basically, we just exchanged uh, details from there. She was cha- uh, she was traveling. She had just arrived in the country, 
So anyways, what the points, the, what I wanted to bring up in that close was that number one, she was trying to cut me off during the close. She was trying to close me. Right? When I initially said, you know, another time we go to meet up and then she goes, do you have Instagram? And I'm just like, hang on. But I kept going. You didn't take the bait uh, so early or you don't, you don't in such a rush to, uh, to take her attempt to close you because that's a giving up of your frame. You continue on because you need to set the frame and that, also, what kind of scarcity are you in that if the moment a woman tries to close you, you're like, all right, okay. I was just breaking this down for a client in San Diego the other week, uh, just the other day, last week. So she offered me a close. I didn't take it. I continued on with my intent, which is that, listen, we've got to get a tea. We've got to get a coffee because I hadn't even dropped a seed yet. I want to make sure I dropped that seed because I'm not just about transacting. This is a, this is a story I'm building with her. So I'm like, ah, right, we'll get a tea, we'll get a coffee. And then she's like, do you like boba? We'll go get a boba. And I'm like, boba, no, that's processed shit. And she cracks our laughing. She's like, you vegan too? I'm like, I'm not. Then her male friend walks in. I don't back down on my intent when the male friend walks in. He's like 40. He's like, he's like a full grown male. He's much taller than me, adult. He walks in. Do I wait? Do I wait for them to, for her to introduce me? I'm like, nope. He walks in. You guys can't see the video. I shave, I introduce myself. Now, do I lie about why I'm there? No. Say, like, my name's Adam. I li- we literally just met. And he's like, oh, nice to meet you. And then I go straight back to her. Do I fap about by trying to be nice with him and you know create friends with him? No, because that's not why I'm there. I was in the middle of finishing up this interaction with this woman. So I get back to her and I say, all right, so what is it? Is it the Instagram or the WhatsApp? And then we go to exchange details right there in front of him. He just stands there politely like this. Okay, because I do not lose control of the frame. I do not break the frame. Really important closing principles if someone ever interrupts your uh, interaction. But the reason why I actually wanted to just play that little close for you guys at the end there is because it's just indicative and responsive, reflective of how the interaction began. Through being willing to take risks, you take control. If you don't take risks and you're just the Mr. Nice Guy, you're just that puppy dog, then you never have any control over the interaction because you you drop the frame. You let go of the frame and you eventually essentially say to the other person, you must lead this. You must take control. But is it any surprise that the close is so damn hard in terms of its ability in leading, in terms of its masculinity, in terms of the polarity between me and her? Right? There's still just that sexual chemistry between us right to the end. But that was only as a result of what happened at the beginning. And not just when I said to her, your eyelashes are throwing me off, but before that. And that's the key point of this, at least in the micros, is the past. When I made a decision to question her name, Alex? Fuck not. And we went straight down that line. So, my friends, that wraps up the audio infield section breakdown. Just contrasting an interaction from years and years and years and years ago, years ago where I was not comfortable with taking risks. And you see what happens. Not much. Not much happens when you don't take risks. And the ability to take that risk is presence. Always underpinned by presence. Staying in the pocket. Breathe. Take a moment. When you listen to Interaction 2, many, many, many years later, and everything's full circle, subconscious at that point, and you hear me take out pause, and it's just, it's like microseconds longer. But it's enough to make, allow me to make a decision to be present with her and just to go down that line of challenging, teasing, being myself, being fully expressive, Jack Sparrow. If interaction number one was Captain Norrington, 
Interaction number two was Jack Sparrow. Right? And you can see the responses. You can see the responses. It's night and day. And uh, this is why social dynamics must be uh, studied if you're that type of guy, which is like, that's why I can relate to all of you guys because that's where I came from. You, you guys have never seen that interaction. That interaction has never been posted online, even when I did have infield, because that was from years and years and years and years and years ago. That was just my private learnings. That was just when I was teaching myself how to learn this stuff. And so I came from the same place. And if you can see the difference between interaction one and interaction number two and know that that's the same guy, yet they sound completely different, completely different execution. And it's like, you can't, you can't even, it's, it's unrecognizable who the guy is in interaction two. Yet it all stemmed from one tactical difference, which was a pause and one macro difference of that. I will take risks. I will lead. I will challenge. So you want to go from being a boring nerd to being a fun lover on the micros let's sum it up here before we get into open Q&A maybe address some other stuff oh we will get to the beach shoot down as well I'll get back to the beach shoot down uh, on the micros you want to go from boring nerd to fun lover tactically you must be willing to challenge to tease to express yourself in a way in which that you will offend people you will offend them and be willing to ask for forgiveness and not go into that seeking to permission. Right? And when I say offend people, I mean like, you know, I mean that in a good way. I mean like in a way which makes them want to bite back, makes them want to challenge, makes them want to get into it with you. Okay, so you do that and the way that we do this is through qualification, of course, at the beginning of an interaction and not, and it's at that pass and not choosing to just be nice and to make sure this goes well and to rush and to just say things that you think are in your mind that are going to sound right. Never comes out well. Never comes out well. So that's tactically some exercises you guys can do that I give my clients to help build these micros, to help get you more comfortable with it, is to only spend time in qualification. If you have an issue of qualification, aka being challenging, teasing, out and masculine, right, you need time, you need reps, you need to shift that habitual state of paradigm. So what I'll have my clients do is that, well, today, all interactions for the next week, seven days in a row, you're only allowed to qualify. You are not allowed to say the words, what are you up to? And of course, it's not really about the words because you could actually say, what are you up to in a very qualifying way? You could be like, so what the fuck are you up to? That's very qualifying. That's taking it down a very risky path. But you know what I'm talking about? We say, so what are you guys up to today? What are you up to today? You're not allowed to say something that is investment-based. You're not allowed. You must only joke, challenge, or tease. That's a great... You spend seven days doing that and you start to teach yourself that, okay, it only goes well when I do this. Okay, there are going to be issues later in the interaction because we're forgetting about investment, but that's okay because we're already masters of investment if we're Mr. Nice Guys. We're We're not going to forget that. But what we need to learn is the ability to get comfortable in what we are uncomfortable in which is staying in the pocket, look at an attractive woman in the eyes and just speak your speak. Just fucking light her up. Light her up. That's what it's about. And then get reps, get time in that. And all of a sudden, if you do it enough across months, across years, get a bit windy outside. You do it enough across time, it becomes who you are. You shift your natural state. And that your habitual state of paradigm becomes one of challenging, teasing, taking risks, fun lover, Jack Sparrow, right? But it takes a lot of reps, takes a lot of time spent. And it, of course, depends on how far gone you are. 
you know, on zero to 10, 10 absolute natural, zero hard case of all hard cases. But even five and average guy in the middle, depending on how far you're going, it's going to take more time. But, but listen, it only happens one way and it happens through the reps. So that's micros. Now on macro, especially for Sal, stop trying to do for others. Avoid the doing for others mentality, whether it's to impress others, whether it's to make other people feel good about you or to make people feel impressed of you, funny about you, whatever perception you want them to have of you. Forget about having to alter, curtail to, to finely detail how other people should perceive you. Rather, just allow other people to perceive you. If they like you, they like you. If they don't, they don't. But you will never get that opportunity if you're always trying to riffraff your way and trying to rope your way into this is how they should feel me, this is how they should like me. And a lot of people are not going with that intent, but their actions come out that way. And for Sal, I don't think that's your intent. I think your intent is that you just want to be liked. You just want to have friends. You just want to have girls like you. You just want to get into social interactions and just feel that, People enjoy having you around. I'm sure that's your intent to some de- for the most part, not even some degree, just some for the most part. However, is your attempt to get them to think of you that way, to feel you that way? That's why they never will. That's why they never will because they feel like, why is he always minding his P's and Q's so much of me? Why can't he just say what he's going to say, even if it is going to miss the mark or be offensive? Or uh... And it's like, what's interesting is that the more you lean into being a risk taker, being a Jack Sparrow, the less you actually do offend people because you get calibration. The more time you spend in qualification, the better you get with it to understand how far, how much is too much, how far is too far, right? You know, everything in that qualifying interaction, the qualifying part of it that I showed you with that blonde Polish woman was that all of my qualification was on the money. It was all zenny. She she could barely even respond with words. She was laughing so much. And the sexual energy was just roaring between us. Okay? It was all money. But that came through so many reps of understanding what bad qualification looks like and what good qualification looks like. What's too much? What's too little? Push it hard. Push it far. You know, I mentioned that, qualif- that interaction before when I, I said this regularly to women is that, listen, if you're not sexually satisfied right now, something's wrong here. Like, we've... <laughs> We've got to do something about this. And if you get used to being in those waters, then it becomes natural and that you don't actually ever offend anyone because you're so calibrated to reading the person in front of you. Because qualification itself is presence. All of us can go into investment in our minds, but you can never go into qualification in your mind. All right, you run... Run any line you want, run any, take every qualification I've ever said from all of my videos and it will never work. It has to come from the present moment. And that's it. And then the, the, the how-to, the dosuduka for, for the macro shift, the macro change, is that you need to make an agreement with yourself, Sal. You need to make an agreement with yourself, Mr. Nice Guy, that... I'm going to change that I'm not going to first off rush into having to approve so quickly. That's what Mr. Nice Guys do. That's what I used to do is that you're so quick to approve of what the woman's going to say, of what the person's going to say, that whatever they say, it's good. 
Whatever they say, oh, yeah, oh, laugh at that. Oh, yeah, thumbs up to that. Anything they say, it's a thumbs up. But that's a rushed, conditioned pattern because if I approve of what they say, then they'll like me. No, make a hard agreement with yourself that no matter what anyone else says to me, I will presently qualify it. As in, I will actually listen to it and deem whether it is worthy of a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And if it is a thumbs down, I'm going to go hard on them. If a woman says to me that, if a woman says to me, I say, I say she's got some weird glitter on her eyes, and I say, well, you just come from some festival, and she says to me, no, this is just how I do my everyday makeup. The Mr. Nice Guy will green thumbs up that immediately. He will go, yeah, yeah, oh, oh, sure, sure, sure. I shouldn't even have questioned it. Shouldn't even question. Oh, my bad. Oh, it's like, yeah, what, what was I even thinking, right? Oh, okay, yeah, no worries anyway. So what do you like to eat? What do you, where have you been shopping today? What have you been doing today? Right? You know, that, that's the Mr. Nice Guy part. You need to make a Mr. You need to make a mental agreement that if she tells me that this is my, this is my normal makeup, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You guys can't see her in the video because I haven't shown the video and not only can you not see her face in the video anyway, but I, I can see her face today. It was some hardcore gold glitter. That's not everyday makeup. So of course I challenge her going, what? I was like, what? Every day, say, so you say this is your everyday chill? So I gave her a thumbs down. I was willing to hear what she said and to not agree with it, to disagree with it. So for a macro mentality for Mr. Nice Guys, for boring nerds who aren't willing to take risks, so they're always given the thumbs up. They're always given the green light to what everyone says. If you want to start becoming fun and exciting, Sal, you need to start disagreeing with people. You need to start challenging people. You need to start going, no, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Hang on a second. What the fuck are you saying? What do you mean? What do you mean? That what... What do you mean are four words that will get you into some amazing interactions that will have so much fun interactions. If you were to actually just go through all of my ever recorded uh, interactions, which you can't see anymore, but if you were to just be with me and just listen into one of my interactions in a real world in, uh, scenario, you will hear me say those four words repeatedly, but they're always going to be different because it's not canned. It's always present. But it's one of my, it's, a, it's just a, a go-to for me because I'm always challenging. A go-to in which that I'm not going to agree with you so quickly. What do you mean? What are you talking? For some of the guys that have watched the more sexual, advanced sexual content on this channel, to do with phone sex, to do with just actual sex, uh, to do with anything that's in that realm, you often hear me say, uh, I'm just remembering from the phone sex podcast as well, you know, a girl says, you know, I'm doing this right now. I'm doing that. What do you mean? What are you talking about? What are you doing? What do you mean? What are you saying? Right? Is it a disagreement? It's me going, no, this doesn't make sense. But you see how there's a smile and it's fun because then it's going to invite them to go, what? and if you look at anyone who's attractive, who's fun, who's exciting to be around, they never approve immediately. They never approve immediately. It's one of the things that I learned from Matt big time. Rest in peace, my brother, wherever you are. It was one of the things that I loved about Matt. And one of the first times I got to see it and just replay it and replay it on footage was when Matt, Jordan, and I went to Marion. We recorded in the field of just us. This is like fucking when I was 19 years old. 
this is so long ago. And I saw Matt approach this stunning blonde Australian girl in the mall, stops her. And at a certain point, it's been going well. It's been very qualifying. But the one point of the interaction is when he tries to go for the instant date. He goes to lead. And he goes, all right, listen, you got some time. Let's fucking go for a coffee. And she goes, no. And he's like, what do you mean? <laughs> and she's like, I have a boyfriend. I already told you. And he's just like, fuck you. <laughs> I have a boyfriend. Fuck you was his response. To her say that she has a boyfriend. And it was just all laughs. It was all laughs. It was all sexual polarity. It was all sexual. And you could feel it between them. And and she's like, yeah, but he, you know what he said? He responded to her with fuck you. Right? With fuck you to say that she, when she has a boyfriend. Now, the Mr. Nice Guy would have gone, oh, you have a boyfriend? Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. So I shouldn't have stepped my bounds. You know, I've, I've overstepped it. I've done too much. You're just like, that's okay. That's okay. It's that's okay. That's the great thumbs. Matt was like, thumbs down. Thumbs down. I'm not going to approve of this. Because of course, why should he approve of that? They've been in a great interaction. There's obviously a great connection between the two. Uh, it's like, it brings me to one of my interactions. I was going to potentially play on audio for you guys today. It was when I was with a uh, really attractive Thai girl on the street. Shout out to Joy. And she told me she had a boyfriend and she said, she says, oh, you know, I, I actually have a boyfriend, but you know, it's getting kind of serious. And that's when I, I attempt, just after me attempting to close her, I said, we've got to connect a girl for another time. She said, I'm actually got a boyfriend. It's getting really serious. And I go, but you got kids already? You married already. And I'll just like throw it straight back at her. What, you got kids already? And she's like, no, no, we haven't got kids already. And she's just feminine flutter, lights her up. Again, very offensive, very challenging, very disagreeing. Because what, you got kids already? You got married already? And so you can see when you're, the fun and excitement come from friction, challenge, tease. Now, there are, I'm sure there's some really misguided guys that will go, okay, so as long as I just disagree with people, then I'll be fun and excited. No, it's the intent from where the disagreement comes from. If you intend to disagree because you want to joke, you want to laugh, you want to, you just want to have a good time, then that's always going to come off well. It's not disagreeing to be a dick. It's not disagreeing and lacking the fun and the enjoyment, the joy, the love underneath it. So that's why boring nerd or just being a nerd is very different. Being nerdy about what you love, there's good intent underneath it. You just, you're in alignment with it. It feels good. But being a boring nerd, when you're trying to show about, show up about whatever you're being nerdy about, or that's what the boring is. That's what boring is. Boring is when there is no intent to have fun. And it sounds so simple, but when you really unpack that, because none of us are boring by nature. There are no boring na- uh, babies. There are no boring babies. We make decisions to be boring. Right, when we don't, when we take ourselves too seriously, when we give too many fucks, right, when you give too many fucks and you take yourself too seriously, you forget what was the whole point of saying this to begin with. It's like, it's all well and good if you absolutely love Naruto and that's your hero. But when someone says, when you're on a date with a girl, let's get this. 
when you're in a what are you doing, mate? What are you fucking doing? So he's pulled out of the front. Uh, when you're on a date with a girl and she asks you, what are you about? What are you into? And you're thinking, ah, do I tell her about the Naruto? Do I tell her about my hardcore love for anime? Or do I not? Because that might sound a bit nerdy or that might not be an attractive thing to say. The unattractive thing is in you not just going straight out with it. And then a follow-on in which that if you take it so far that you're so serious about it that you forget why she even asked. She didn't ask because she wants to know a full dissection, a full analytical report on what you like in this life. That's not why she's asking, what are you interested in? So if you were to give a response of, I fucking love it, I'm really into this, I love it because of this, and I, I saw the main characters here, and I met the voice actors there, and oh, there was this one time where I, you know, that's not why someone asks. They're asking the question, what are you into? What are you about? Because they want to connect with you. I want to connect with you. They don't really want to know, like, it's great. You might say, okay, I'm really into Naruto. What they want to feel, though, is you underneath Naruto. They don't need to know about how many seasons or posters or fucking Avcon conventions you've been to. What they want to know about is how much passion and enthusiasm and love you have for that topic is underneath it. Because that's what's fun and exciting. Because that's to you. Because that's present. right? And that's because you being unapologetic, giving little fucks. Giving zero fucks. That's 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 fun and exciting. So that's why when I when I'm out on dates with girls and they say, "What are you, you know, so Adam? What are you into? What are you about?" And I say, "I fucking love Disney. I love Disney." Now I don't go into now. This is my vast repertoire of how many Blu-rays I have of Disney's or uh, how long I've been subscribed to Disney Plus or to how many plush toys I have or my deep knowledge, the deep knowledge of Disney. I don't go into that. What I go into is this. Listen, I fucking love Disney. It's like, I don't care. I don't even care what you have to say about it. How about this? And I always do is I say, listen, you want to see what, what the last song I was listening to? And I'll bust out my Spotify and I'll play that Disney song. In fact, there was even an infield interaction, which I did that in Day Game Sessions 3. And I'll play Kiss the Girl from Little Mermaid. And I'll just start dancing in the middle of the public, in the middle of the street. And she'll be laughing. She'll be, she'll be giggling. She'll, I'll get her to dance with me. So there's fun and exciting, but I could never give that to you as a game plan. I could never say to you, okay, tactically, when she asks you, what are you interested in? What are you about? Or a moment comes up to tell her a bit about yourself, to express yourself, to then go and, all right, so mention a topic, then get a YouTube video or a soundtrack that shows the topic and then start interacting with the world outside. So you can see that line of thinking is already off the mark. It doesn't even make sense, right? It's just your passion and enthusiasm behind whatever it is. You could say you're in a Pokemon. You could say you're into collecting fucking stamps. You could say you're into building Lego. You could say you're into bloody Minecraft, whatever it is. But it is the passion and enthusiasm underneath it that is what someone cares about. Why? Because that allows them to connect with you, allows them to see you allows them to feel okay about themselves, gives them permission. We talk about we talk about the freedom effect here. We talked about the freedom effect a couple podcasts ago. This is the freedom effect now in a slightly different light, in which that if you show someone that you give yourself permission to say what you want, 
You don't give a fuck. You don't give a fuck at all. That gives other people permission to. So if you think about the jocks, or you think about the popular guys at school, you think about the guys that girls always want to be with. They always disagree. They always challenge. They don't care what you have to say. They don't care what you have to say about what they have to say. Right? They just say it. They just do and they just say. Does it always hit the mark? No. But that's why it can hit the mark. Because it's, they're saying something that has the ability to not hit the mark. But if you always choose to say things that have no ability to hit the mark, then you never will hit the mark. And when you, what's the other thing when you're around cool guys or cool girls or people that are fun, fun lovers, Jack Sparrows, which is that it's okay to be me. It's okay to be me. You know, when you look at Pirates of the Caribbean particularly, which is why I want you guys to watch it, what you find as the character progression of William Turner, aka Orlando Bloom, is that at the beginning, he's very stiff. At the beginning, he's very stiff. Minding his P's and Q's very indirect as well, not willing to tell Miss Swan. Uh, how much he uh, loves her. But then as the movie progresses and as he spends more and more time with Jack Sparrow, what happens to Will? He gets more expressive. He gets he gets more daring. He gets, in the words of Norrington, more rash. Too rash. Right? He starts to do risky shit as he spends more time with Jack who lives in risk. And then finally at the end, finally just at the very final scene of Pirates of the Caribbean, when Jack's about to get executed, he's about to get hung, and Will moves through the crowd and walks up to Elizabeth, where Captain Norrington and her bloody father is, the governor, and he walks straight up to her and he says, and he says, listen, I should have said this to you from the very day I met you, I've loved you. And then he just walks off, and then he goes to save Jack. That's a complete opposite of the guy he was at the beginning. He didn't just become that guy. He got exposure to other people that showed him it's okay to be that guy. So this is something else that you see is that you give this permission, the freedom effect has to come in. Was is there any is there any value in trying to spend more time with people who are in this Jack Sparrow mindset, in this risky mindset? Will it just somehow rub off on you? Absolutely. Fuck yeah, it will. Absolutely it will. If you oh, let's go back to Jim Rowan right here. You are the average of the five people you spend most of your time with, if you spend all your time around boring nerds, aka people who can't express, aren't willing to take risks, well, it's very likely you're also going to be of that nature. In my mind, it's better to go lone soldier. It's better to go lone forgotten soldier, aka solo journey, than it is to spend time around negative influence. Absolutely. It is better to have to learn this balance of qualification and investment, to learn this risk-taking, to learn all this shit on your own that I've discussed in this podcast, than to then go home, say like you guys are watching this podcast, Sal, to watch this podcast and then to go, okay, note-taking, 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 do this, do that. But then you go and spend your next three months, six months, three, four hours a day, every day around high school friends, uni friends, work friends that are all fucking Norringtons. They're all boring, absolutely boring nerds who all have the potential to be fun lovers but choose not to. You're pushing shit uphill. You have the proverbial uh, chain and boulder on you in which that you will never be able to come up. You will never come up. The more you push that boulder up, the more it falls down. 
So to me, because some of you might go, but I don't know any Jack Sparrows, Adam. I just get to see you once a week fucking lining it up. Or I don't get to spend any times with these uh, cool natural guys that just flow with it. It's like, that's okay. That's fine. Those people will come in time if you don't have access to them right now. So just focus on you for right now. Do what you can right now and cut out the toxicity. This is one thing they say in nutrition. Sometimes, and a lot of times, it's more about what you don't eat than what you do. If you can cut out the inflammatory response, if you can cut out foods and drinks that inflame you, things that cause your gastrointestinal tract to get destroyed, if you can just eliminate the processed food, processed sugar, and all other refined matters of things, then whatever you do put in, even if it's not the best yet, right? Even if it's not grass-fed, wild, or organic kangaroo from the grasslands of Australia, or Tasm- or the Aura King from New Zealand, even if it's not that, just the absence of toxicity will help you move into a much better place. That's on a nutrition level that applies deep into social dynamics. Just the absence of friends and family that don't support you that are the boring nerds that take themselves too seriously, that aren't willing to risk, aren't willing to challenge, aren't willing to question themselves and to look like an idiot. We're going to talk about this looking like an idiot. Yes. Yes. Here we go. The beach shoot down. Talking like an idiot. Yes. This is the story I want to get to. Fuck. All right. We're, gonna get, no, we're just going to get into the story. I know I haven't finished that point. I was just saying, but this is prime. I was at the beach this weekend. Fucking lapping it up. Right, it was beautiful weather, and there was I got to witness something beautiful. You can see this a little bit down at the beach. You get to see naturals in their habitat. You get to see naturals in their natural habitat. <laughs> All right, so you could. It's hard to know if you're actually witnessing a true natural at night because you don't know if he's just on the liquid courage. You don't know if he's just had a few too many schoons and too many frosties. Too many cold ones. And that's why he's got all this courage with this woman. You don't know. But at the beach in the middle of the day, you can actually watch naturals do their thing. And uh, and how do I know that it's not he's not practicing cold approach? Because I got to hear some of the conversation. I observed their behavior. And oh, if, he, if it was a, cold, a true cold approach, it was of the lowest, lowest quality. Which is okay, because it must mean he's just at the beginning of his journey. But it makes me think, I don't think it was. So here we go. What's the point of the story, by the way, just before we forget it? Being an idiot. Being an idiot is so key to having fun and to being exciting and to being that Jack Sparrow. So I'm down on the beach near the jetty. It's not great weather, all right? There's not that many girls kicking about, actually. Uh, it was much later in the day. I got there really late. But there's a few. And that there's on the other side of the jetty, and so probably, I don't know, 50 meters away from me, out of earshot, though. Eye shot, but out of earshot. There's two laybys. For any of you in the chat who know what laybys is, go ahead and check it. Go ahead and check it in the chat. I'm keep rolling with the story. Just assume you know what it means. There's two laybys uh, a little bit further down the jetty, and you know they're pretty attractive though. They're pretty attractive. And these three guys, these three lads, absolute lads, they're no older than 15. They're like 15. The two, the the laybys are probably the same age as well. Probably about 15. And they're in their bikinis though. And these three Aussie lads, right? They've got 
They've got their typical Kents. They've got the board shorts on, no tops, backpacks on, backwards baseball caps. Right, you got to. This is the typical Australian lad, and uh, <laughs> two of them. And they're all, of course they've all got six packs as well. They're all in great condition. They're the footy lads type of guys, yeah. And so they walk. They walk past me. Past me. I'm. I'm just rubbing it up. I'm lapping it up in the sand. And they walk past me, and I overhear their conversation, saying, "It's like, oh, well, hey, hey, are you gonna go over? Are you gonna go over? It's like, no, you have to. He's like, no, you already spoke to on the jetty. You already spoke to on the jetty. So now you have to go over." And then he's like, "It's like, what? Are you coming with me?" And he's like, "No, I'm not fucking coming with you. You spoke to on the jetty. You gotta go." And this is like as they're walking past me. So there's three of them, and so I'm like lying face down. And I turn my head up, and you gotta imagine there's. There's lad one, lad one, lad two, lad three. The two lads on the left are a bit taller. The lad on the right is the shortest out of all of them. And he's the one who they're like talking to saying like, no, you got to go, you got to go meet her. That's how I thought I didn't, I didn't think it was a cold approach because they said they'd already spoken on the jetty. So I thought it was kind of lukewarm just from the way they were describing it. Maybe they had, because uh, there's like a, on the jetty, there's a point where you can jump off the jetty the jetty jumping and people just congregate around there. So they might've had, they might've already known each other, but they might've only just met that day. But anyways, it's definitely not a hardcore cold approach. And so they're arguing about who's going to go meet her. And, and the, and he said, are you guys going to come with me? And then the guy on the right, lad three on the right, the shorter one, the two on the left go, no, we're not fucking coming. And then because they didn't think he was going to do it. Like they, they were like testing. It was like, oh, you go do it then. You know, but they didn't think he was really going to do it. All of a sudden he goes, he, he starts going to do it. He takes a, he takes a hard right down to the bottom of the jetty where the two girls are, two laybys. He starts walking and then, and I'm just like observing his friends and his friends are like, oh shit. And they're all like, they're like grabbing their baseball caps and they're like getting their minds. But like, I can't believe this guy's going to go approach this girl. And so, and that typical, typical, what do they do? Do they go and support his friend? Nope. What do they do is they walk off to a nice little perch. They get, they go off under the jetty, nice little perch, nice, uh, you know, where no one can see them so that they can just observe. They can just watch as their friend gets his ball sack and mounts up on the courage horse. And so they just fucking lap it up on the side, be these absolute fish. They go to the side, but they're all like, oh, oh, oh. Like they're trying to watch intensely, of course, even though they, because they didn't have the balls to do it. So my man, the, 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 the young cub, the young shrimp starts walking towards these two girls in their bikinis, two layabies. And, and he goes up to them. They're like sitting down on their towels. He's standing up. I, of course, I can't hear what they're saying, but the gist of what's going on is that you know, he like introduces himself. I have no idea if it's direct. I have no idea, right? Like, the best guess I had was that it was something in between. It might have just been like, I saw you guys on the jetty, had to say hi. It might have been something like that. I don't know, though. That's like maximum. It definitely wasn't hardcore direct because there was no shaking of hands. Hardcore direct is always met by a handshake. Because it wasn't really a cold approach. These guys are 15 years old. And so anyways, he says sorry to them. The two girls, uh, they're, they're okay with it, whatever he said. And so he goes and sits down. So he, he's done enough. 
to be in the interaction, sits down. Switch the camera to far left. What do the two chads do? The two guys who had no balls. Typical. You could guess what they're about to do. Now that their friend has done the thing, now that their friend has actually manned up, that gives them permission to. So, because there's no there's no thing for them now. It's like, they don't have to be courageous. They can just fucking, they can lifeboat off of their friend. That's terrible. Like, I, I almost want to run over there and stop them from doing it because they're just going to ruin the interaction. They're just going to be leeches because they didn't, they had direct and temper. They didn't choose on it. So they start walking over to to the young cub and the two girls. They stand up. They walk because they're all sitting down. The two guys standing up. Well, hang on a second, guys. Uh, sorry, I just, uh, sorry for the moment. I just heard a really loud bang, like, like a window crashing. I think it's okay. I think we're okay. How about that? I'm breaking into a live YouTube live stream. I don't think so. I don't know what the hell that was. Like a car drew by, drove by, and then I heard like a window smash. My car's inside the driveway, so it definitely wasn't my car. Sorry for the pause in the action. Resuming. So, to where were we there? Oh, yeah. So, the two guys, the two indirect shrimps, they stand, they come and ruin his interaction, essentially. You can see it. You can visually see the girls get turned off the moment his two friends come in. So, it probably would have gone something to the effect of, hey, you know, what's going on, Aaron? Say his friend's name's Aaron. I don't know. What's going on, Aaron? And they're hoping for like a little invite, you know, just trying to weasel their way into this interaction. And he obviously introduces them and say, hey, here's my friends. And then, but then they're just hanging off like little fish. They're just hanging off like little bottom feeders. And the girls are like, you can see they were having a reasonable time before, but now they start packing their gear up. They're like, all right, guys, we're going to go now. We're going to go now. And you can just see that's the vibe. And they walk off and that's it. That's the end of the interaction. Now, the reason why I wanted to bring this up was there's so many principles actually to break down of it. Number one, if you're not willing to go into the interaction to be direct, then don't go in at all. I don't ruin your friend's interaction. That's a whole different thing though. But being an idiot, the reason why I brought this up and why I was so excited about this interaction is how being an idiot just pays off. This guy, right, this young cub, the the shortest of them all, right? Not that that matters, but in a based on society standards, like if you've got a lot of limiting beliefs, you would think that would be harder for him. If you practice social dynamics, you know that height doesn't mean shit. But, you know, just obje- just looking at from the objective, you know, he had every reason to be more scared. But he went and did the thing. He was willing to look like an idiot. A cold approach on a beach, it's not a real cold approach because I think there was some pre-established that had met on the jetty because I heard their conversation. But even so, to make a direct approach on a girl it's at least just say hey i want to be here because i want to get to know you too on a beach you're risking looking like an idiot because there's not a lot that's going to be able to happen here it's like either they love it 
and I'm in, or they hate it and I've got to go with my tail back between my legs and, you know, and just fucking leave the beach essentially. Like you're not going to, if you get shot down on the beach and you get a hard rejection, you, you know, you don't want to hang around. Like it's, it's a high risk play. You are risking looking like an idiot, right? And that's, but that's why he was able to win. Like he, before his friends came in and fucked it up, the girls were enjoying it. But he was the only one of the three who risked being an idiot, which is, that's why I want to bring this up the story because we were talking about macro principles of changing from boring nerd to fun lover. The fun lover risks being an idiot. You risk saying things, doing things that look stupid, that make you look like you don't know, that you're, you're not refined, that you're not savvy. But actually, if you're doing it consciously, it's the savviest thing you can do. I, if you guys were to come out on a date with me or just be a fly on the wall on my date with a girl, we do the stupidest things. I do the stupidest things. When, when a girl was recently on a date with a girl, she'd get in a boost juice. I, was, I already had my water and I was waiting for her to get her boost juice and there's these two massage, cha- massage chairs just near it. And I'm like, I just like, listen, come with me, come with me. And she's like waiting in the, in the aisle. I just drag her over to the massage chairs and I'm just like, listen, what do you ever think you could just sit here all day and see if anyone says anything? And we just, I just start saying the stupidest things, like bring out these stupid hypothetical uh, situations, but she just can't even stop laughing. Like she's just going off and like people are walking by and I'm like, hey, do you think, do you think that we actually own these chairs? I'm making fun with the people outside of it. Whether it's funny or not, she finds it funny because it's ridiculous because I'm being an idiot. And when she sees this, it's just... That is the fun and the excitement. And I'll do this routinely. Do stupid things. Do stupid things not to be stupid, but because like, that's not the intent. You're not trying to be an idiot. You're not trying to be stupid. But when you take risks, it often is going to come out that way. But people, and I said this at the beginning of the podcast, but people will always give you a pass if you look stupid, if you do something that was wrong, if you end up being an idiot, right? People will always give you a pass if they know that your intent was just to have a good time. Oh, man. I really love this one. I love this one because the more you can in public show this, especially in sexual interactions, the more you can in public uh, display to a woman that I care so little. I care so little that I'm even willing for absolute strangers to think I'm an idiot. I'm, I'm willing for absolute random people I've never even met to think that this is right. Here's, I, guess, I was going to give you guys some exercises. Some OGs, but I'm already nervous one. If you want to practice, you want an exercise for practicing zero fucks given and the potential for taking risk and being an idiot. This is all you have to do. You get on a packed tram or a packed train, okay? This is, it was in a packed tram. Uh, I was one day with Matt and Jordan coming back on a packed tram and we were about to get arrive at the number one stop where there's bound to be 50 to 100 people waiting to get onto the tram. This is like the hub of the city. And so the tram was kind of empty when we were on it. We were coming from really far out. And and I'm not sure if I said to the guys I was going to do this beforehand, but I did it. And basically what I did was I got up and I stood behind the doors, like right behind the doors, directly in the middle. So that when the tram arrived at the stop, I was going to be blocking everyone's way. The door slid open. There's a good 50 people all trying to get onto this tram. I put both my hands out and I say, listen, everybody, thank you. 
I've been waiting for you. And I just held the silence. I held the silence in the loudest voice. Thank you. I've been waiting for you. I looked them all in the eyes and I just held that silence. I was faced with 50 strangers looking me dead in the eyes. And none of them got it. None of them thought it was funny. Except for one. Except for one. One mother and her little girl in a pram started laughing. And the rest of the, like, a couple other people kind of just, like, smirked. They were kind of like, <laughs> right, they just walked past me and everyone that just walked past me. But for a moment in time, I stopped 50 strangers from getting about their day, from getting on the tram by just saying, listen, thank you. I've been waiting for you. And if you can do that, if you can hold that, it was always just, it was one of the most nerve-wracking moments of its time, but nothing bad happened, right? Even no one, everyone thought I was an absolute idiot. Everyone thought like, fuck this guy, you know? They were like that type of mentality, except for one girl who thought it was funny. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I thought it was super funny. But what was important about it is just like, stop giving a fuck. What's the worst that's going to happen? Well, that they walk past me and that I feel like an idiot, but then you get trained in that as the reps. That's a great exercise, that's a great exercise when people get onto lifts, all right? When people get onto lifts, just once the doors close, let everyone get in and just say, mm-hmm. excuse me, everyone. Thank you for gathering here today. Let's begin. Hold it. Hold it. And you're at a lift where everyone, it's like so everyone's shoulder to shoulder. You're like, all right, let's begin. Thanks for gathering. Let's begin. Just see what happens. See if someone go. What someone might say. Your typical reactions you get is like, "What do you, What do you mean? Let's begin. Is this? Did I get on the wrong lift? Is this the wrong lift? Shit! You get people who are like genuinely confused. If you get someone who's like actually savvy with it, actually turned on, you might actually get into a back and forward. I've had this several times where they'll go, "Yeah, yeah. I've actually. Uh, I thought I was a little bit early, but I'm glad I made it here on time." People will get back into it with you. Sometimes, a lot of the times, people don't get it at all. People will just ignore you. People will just go, uh, okay, this guy's weird. Like, you know, they, they, they'll just do that. And because you're locked in the lift, you're going to get off at the next floor, but you're going to hold that silence the entire way to the next floor. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. This is fun. This is exciting. This turns you from boring nerd to fun lover. Make it a way of being. Make it a way of being. And what I'm trying to get you guys to understand here is that there's nothing so irreparable unless you're actually going to cause physical harm. Don't, I would not recommend that or psychological harm. I would not recommend that. But anything beneath that, it's game. It's game. I think I'll wrap on this. I'll wrap on this. This is the final tactical little thing and then I'll get to open Q&A where you guys can pop in any random questions on anything social dynamics or human interaction related. But when I was about 18, 19, it was when I'd first, it was my, probably, I think it was my first ever time going out in the day. And I met up with the local Adelaide fraternity. And while it was rubbish, absolute rubbish session, they were the guys that were trying to tell me to go and ask girls for directions and ask them about seedless watermelon and all this stuff. There was one useful thing they did do. And it, they got me to do the most fear, fear-inducing exercises I'd ever done in my life to that point, which was in the middle of Rundle Mall, there were these 
probably about 20 kids set up in like an arc and they had these giant, giant sound tables. You know those tables that if you get the big gongs and you just bang them and then they go, you know, it's like these big gong tables kind of like made out of wood and they're set up in a big arch. Like I'm talking like there's 20 kids here. So if it's like spread a diameter of like, 20 30 meters like they take up a huge amount of space there's a giant crowd and these kids are just like dum, 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 dum. and they're just making all these like they're having to dance with it people are all there's probably a good hundred people watching this going down and because it's in an arch there's a massive space in the middle i'm talking about a good 20 30 meter space in the middle in which that someone could go in and dance and so me and this, even though the session had been rubbish in terms of actually meeting women and being direct and all that, the, the instructors at the time had said to me and the three other guys who were rocked up, listen, you guys want to get comfortable? You guys want to overcome your anxiety? Go, go dance. Here's a challenge for you. Go dance in the middle of those kids where there's like hundreds of people, a hundred people at least watching and these kids playing this music. It's like African style music. And he's like, you guys, but he said it kind of like jokingly. He didn't really mean it because it was like, this would be an, a fate, a fate of not giving a fuck if you could do this. And I don't know, something within me just pulled me. I was so scared. My heart was like, it felt like it was going to beat out of the cavity. It was so intense, the nerves I felt to it. But I just walked into the middle the other two guys were much older than me. I was only 18 at the time. I went on my own. I walked into the middle. I parted the crowd, walked into the middle. And I just went up to the kids and I just started clapping like this. I just started bouncing my knees and started clapping to the beat of what they were clapping. And then and then the kids were like all laughing. The crowd was to my back. I couldn't see what the crowd was doing, but the kids were laughing. They were all like cheering along with me. And then the two other guys in the session, then just like in the beach shoot down, they came in when they saw that, oh, Adam wasn't going to get crucified if he went into this. So they came in, they started dancing, which made the vibe a lot better as well. They should have come off the get though, right? Then you shouldn't have waited for this little freaked out 18 year old to go do it. And so then you've got hundred people watching and these kids, everyone's eyes are on you and you're just like, I can idiot. I can, I don't have any pre-planned routine or dance moves i'm just i'm just jumping around like a loose goose and and now like if i'm ever with a client like in public with a girl in public if there is a public demonstration of music and you know you got that crowd it's like it's the weirdest thing to see a live busker a live musician playing music unless it's like really sad but like upbeat music and then you have a crowd of people just standing just standing like this it's like you would never do that at a concert. You'd be dancing. So I always get people to dance at it. But that one experience just showed me, it's like people, the worst that's going to happen is that some people think you're a bit of an idiot, but it's only because they're not willing to be an idiot themselves. Like if someone's going to judge you for that, it's because they're just judging themselves. But then when you open up the space, you can free other people up. If you make a practice of this, what you'll find is that people often join you, even not your friends or a girl you're dating. People, other people, just random people join you when you start doing uh, expressive things when you start opening up. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I love this stuff. I love this stuff that's not completely directly related to necessarily a direct sexual interaction, but that aids all of your sexual interactions. Oh man, and this just gets this is another segue. 
I asked you guys at the beginning of this chat about the beginning of this live session, did you want me to dive into the transition from boring nerd to fun lover and what that means in a sexual space? So now moving on beyond just meeting someone, just getting in with a new group or whatever, which is what we've addressed for most of this podcast. But now what that actually does for you in a sexual space, because I kind of organically just said something there, which would be a nice segue. But I'll leave that as a question for you guys in the chat because I want to get to open Q&A anyways now. Because I see that there is one super chat, which means we'll get that first. But let's take a break here and just some of you guys in the chat. If you guys are enjoying this content and uh, you're getting something from it, if you could just drop a thumbs up on the video, that'd be most appreciated. Uh, it just helps support everything that's going on here. Also, if you listen to this podcast in post, you have any follow-up questions, just drop a comment on the actual YouTube video. I always come back and answer them. Okay. And so now it's time for open Q&A. That effectively, though, just wrapped up the entire... Unless you guys want to know about this stuff in more sexual detail, like what the transition means when you're actually in bed with someone, I can go into that if you want, because that's a very deep topic. But if if you guys want to move on to open Q&A, I'm happy for that as well. So I'll start by moving on to open Q&A, but you guys let me know. Okay, so if you are new to social Q&A, now's the time. If you want to drop any questions based on your own context, your own stories, uh, anything in the world of social dynamics, human interaction, dating, sexuality, drop it in the chat box down below. Super chats get bumped to the top and I give more time to them because it just goes to supporting everything here at the channel. And we do have one super chat, which is from T, aka the initial T, aka Takumi-kun, from initial D, uh, Takumi, Takumi come in with a $3 Australian super chat with a hippo man who's in a scuba diving suit who seems to be in one motion jer- jerking himself off, but in the other motion doing a shaka or do it, no, doing a peace sign. Okay, okay. That's an interesting little uh, emoji you've chosen there, T. <laughs> oh, my animation. But of course, the super chat is. Super appreciated. So thank you very much, T. So, T. T, if T has a specific question now, is now when we'll dive into that and go very hard on it. So has T got a specific question? Well, I know that T dropped that super chat very close around when we did the infill breakdown. So... I'm just going up the chat to see if there was... Get some stuff. No. So T had initially said before that, really appreciate the infield audio and the breakdown live. It's helpful and inspiring. No worries, too. No worries. Thank you for that feedback. If you guys enjoy the infield audio breakdowns, I might do it again. Uh, you know, I'm not going to make it a regular thing, but it just proved the point today of boring nerd to fun lover. So that's why I wanted to do it. And just so you guys know, I sacrificed eating after training to get that in. <laughs> Worth it. 100%. Um, T then went on to say, are you going to talk about boring nerd versus fun lover in the sexual bedroom space? Oh, just what I was asking about. So T, let me know if that's still what you want me to talk about. If that's what you want to use your super chat for. Otherwise, if there's something else you want to use your super chat for, just let me know. Um, okay. Yeah, no, I, good thing I asked because T then says, oh, I thought of a question now. I'll write it out. Was just giving love before. No worries, Mr. T, Mr. Takumi, Takumi-ku, in the Hachiju Rocky Burn. Toyota, 
Uh, Amara then comes in saying, say what you mean and mean what you say. Love it. Yes. Yes, Amara. That's a great, great one to live by as well. Ritik, Ritik Pareha comes in saying, bro, you've helped me a lot. In my life, I've been following you since I was 18. I don't know how old you are now, Ritik, but thank you for that, man. And I'm just glad that you can, uh, you've been improving yourself, that you've been actively doing that. So that's awesome, dude. A. Aaron. <laughs> A. Aaron comes in saying, but how can we hang around with positive people? So I already addressed this before, but basically what I said was that uh, go do the things that you love. Like I meet so many of my people, or the people I like to hang out with just by doing the things I love, just by going to the beach, just by going to the gym, just by doing things and being open to meeting people. That helps you to get people in. Uh, meetup.com is also a really good way of doing that uh, to get to events where people are like-minded. But it's more about cutting out the toxicity was the point that I went on before that. It's really important. Yeah, you cut out toxicity, you do things you love, you're going to start to bring people in as long as you're open to it and direct about it. Oh, Ted come in saying lay-by equals laying down. No, no, no. So for those who don't know what lay-by means, it's an old school term. Lay-by means a girl who is legally not of age. You've got to put her on lay-by. So you've got to give her a couple of years. But I can see how you would think it meant laying down because they're laying down at the beach. All right, Ben Hyatt then came in saying, Adam, you're giving me the best ideas. Good shit, mate. And that came in in response, I remember, to the public demonstrations of not giving a fuck. Good, Ben. Good. I'd like to see you do some of those. Also, by the way, shout out, Ben, to that awesome conversation you had uh, sharing the love of your mum. That was awesome. Well, bowl. T has now come in with his question. Let's do this. So for T's $3 super chat question, he comes in saying, how do you deal with having lots of abundance in dating? Like when you have too many casual relationships to maintain properly. It feels like too much work to give enough attention to all. And then how do you have time and energy for meeting more new people? Do you just drop the others you like the least? Question mark. Okay, all amazing questions too. I love these questions, especially with the casual relationships discussion last week. Had a lot of clients. I've had two separate clients in the last week instigate new casual relationships as a result of last week's podcast. Bloody brilliant. Uh, However, T, there's one thing for context I need to know, which is how many is too many for you? What's the number? How many, number one, how many casual relationships are you in right now? And number two is how many is too many in your mind? So contextually for me, to be able to give the correct answer, the best answer, just let me know how many casual relationships you're in right now and how many in your mind feels like too many for you. Hit me with that and we'll go deep. Get some zenny. <laughs> and then we'll get some money. How about you take my Zeddy? <laughs> Shit. Shit. You'd also, just while we're waiting for T to give that um to give that context on his casual relationships to get dive deep on that. You know, I really uh or maybe should maybe we could, actually maybe we could begin the answer to his question. No, I need to know. I need to know to make the answer relevant to him as to how many he's been in, how many he's in right now and how many he feels is too much. But just in the meantime, Eric comes and saying, got to bounce, fellas. Great session as always, Adam. Much love. Thank you for being here, Eric. You're really on point today. Thank you. Hope to see you next time.
Uh, T then comes in saying, okay, good, with the context. So let's rehash. No, 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 we don't need to rehash the entire thing. He comes in saying in, in answer to the casual relationships context, he says, I'm only in one casual relationship right now, but I feel overwhelmed maintaining weekly phone calls with five or six people because of COVID, just doing calls with most, not dates. Okay, okay. That sounded a bit strange to me. It's like, shouldn't that be maintaining, getting overwhelmed with five or six dates per week? Not five or six phone calls. Um, like, why are you going on so many phone calls? But, of course, with the COVID situation. Okay, so. We do need to rehash it here just to do it around. So, it feels like. Oh, wait, hang on. You didn't answer the, the the second question I have for you too. So that's good. You give me context on how many you're in right now. So how many is too many in your mind? That's the second question I asked you. How many is too many casual relationships in your mind? You give me the first answer, which is that you're currently in one. But I feel overwhelmed maintaining weekly phone calls of five or six people. So is that what you're trying to say? Are you trying to say that five or six is too many? Just... Uh, that's that's what I'm getting from it, but if it's not, if it's not, then that's okay. Just let me know because I'm gonna roll on with it because we're getting too getting too uh, derailed here. Just let me know though. So, how to do how to deal with abundance in dating? I love this problem. This is a high quality problem. This is a problem you want to have. So T has given us a very specific context of the COVID situation. I don't want to start with that because the COVID situation is not necessarily applicable to all people and it's not the general principle i will get to the specific but the general principle should come first so hang on to it. the general principle is this as much as your energy will allow to align with your life hierarchy back it up if you find that in your life hierarchy which is always served first by your purpose and that everything else taken underneath that now for a lot of people in their life hierarchy depending on where you are t is that, well, for everyone, life purpose should always be first. Always be at the top of that hierarchy. But what comes underneath that is going to depend based on where you are in life and how much energy uh, you are willing to dedicate to each section. T and I have discussed this before in private one-on-one sessions in which that you only have 100 bars. You only have so many bars of energy to allocate in every day, both in a micro and also in a macro across the weeks, the months, the years You only have so much time and energy to give to any one thing. So beneath your purpose in life, you have to decide how many bars gets this, how many bars gets that. Is it right now that I'm trying to work on my social dynamics and T situation, trying to work on my uh, dating life? I learn about myself in relation to others, start to overcome my inadequacies and flaws, learn to become a direct, congruent, authentic male of supreme excellence. And that beneath my life purpose is number one. Well, I'm going to dedicate as much bar and energy to that, in which case I will be able to maintain more casual relationships. Why? Because casual relationships, why are we in them? Learn about ourselves in relation to others. It is the most opportune mating system which allows us to learn the most. If you're currently at that stage of development, which T is, potentially. Actually, I'll save that. He seems to be, in terms of uh, online dating, but I'm not quite sure T can say that he's there Uh, That's the number one thing that needs to be learned right now in terms of regular dating. So 
So anyways, the answer in general principle T is that how do you deal with the abundance of dating in which that you just align it and you map the energy to the priority, right? Beneath, save your purpose because that always gets the most bars out of your energy. Whatever you deem underneath that, it's important. Let's say that right now, let's say that you're somewhere between nine to 12 or maybe full clock face. Let's say that you are fully developed social dynamics in which that you are unconsciously competent, in which that you can run open qualification investment close, the OQIC in a direct, congruent, authentic manner, the DCA, unconsciously. Let's say your interactions sound like my interaction number two. Effortless, flawless, completely natural, completely in tune, just focused on the masculine and feminine energy, just a, from start to be, from start to end, no mistakes, no mistakes, and you can do that eight out of 10 times. If that's you socially, socially dynamically speaking, right, then you don't have a lot more to learn within the interaction itself. Now, let's say that you're, take one more step. You're actually fully competent, unconsciously competent in casual relationships themselves. So now that you've experienced anywhere between three to five different maintaining, three to five different casual relationships at the same time, and you've got a good handle on it, you, you've spent some time in it, you understand it, you've understand yourself in it, you know where you fuck up, you know where you make mistakes, you've had time to rectify those mistakes. Because some of you might think, how much is enough time? Have you made a mistake, learned from it, and then done it right? And then repeatedly. Let's say in a casual relationships too, you have a, I'm not saying this is you, but let's say you have a tendency to spend wakeless I should say the opposite. You have a tendency to spend sleepless nights thinking about the other guys your girls are with. Have you overcome that? Is that a problem anymore? Let's say you have a problem with over-texting a girl when you know in a casual relationship I should only be texting for logistics. Let's say you have a problem with telling a girl no. This is a big problem in casual relationships because a girl's going to test. It's the woman's role to test. She will try and push the boundaries. She will try and connect ropes to the worlds. She will try and spend more time on the moon than uh, is allowed for and allocated for. This is her role to constantly push the T's and C's of the casual relationship and to see if you will maintain the frame. If at any point have you bent, dropped the frame, made a mistake is what I'm saying here, and but then rectified it, then learned from it and then repeatedly done that. That's what I mean by have you spent enough time in learning casual relationships? Because to the end point here too, you might say that you're getting overwhelmed uh, with the abundance, overwhelmed with having to maintain too many casual relationships. If that's overwhelming for you, but not because it's a drain on your energy bars in life, but it's a drain on your ability to execute, to to do what's actually required of you, then I say stay in it. It's a matter of what the drain is. For me at this stage, for example, to give you the juxtaposition, for me at this stage, I'm not interested in being in five different casual relationships right now, but not because I can't handle them, not because I don't think I could stay true to my principles, not because I think there's going to be so many mistakes I'm going to make and I just want to don't want to have to deal with those mistakes and have to learn from them. No, because... Five in casual relationships right now would drain too many energy bars from my purpose in life. So one, two, or three right now is fine for me. 
but not five. But if I was new to it and I was learning about casual relationships, it would be a minimum three upwards to five because the priority there is to learn because that, you see where you are on the journey. Okay. Now let's make it more specific to T because he did, this is a super chat. And, and we want to address his specifics of the COVID situation. I guess the principles, but the, you can see why I had to style the general principle because now the answer actually becomes really simple. So when T says that he gets overwhelmed with weekly phone calls of five or six more people uh, because of COVID, just doing calls with not much dates. Okay, yes, talking to this many people is a bit many new for me. Is Okay. <laughs> and feel like if I was seeing them in person, wouldn't be able to give them enough attention. Okay, awesome. That really answered my question. Thanks. So with the phone calls thing, Short and sweet. Keep them sweet. Keep them short. Right? Your phone. No one says you have to. Your phone calls have to be uh, hours long when you're in this COVID situation. If anything, it's much better to just leave it on a high note. Right? Just to just to bang a girl. <laughs> just to oh, better on the phone. Just to bang a girl up on the phone and just you'd be walking in the coals. I was literally just met a girl uh, on Tinder the other day, and the first thing I do, I don't, I don't want to get into a long conversation, but if I don't give her a call while I'm in coals. I do this all the time. And you just get a nice, quick, short, sharp five minute in there. Just touch base. Just drop the hook. She knows you're alive. You guys can have a little bit of fun. That's it. Five, 10 minutes. That's it. That's more than enough. Always end it on a high note. It's always better to do much less, but to leave it high than to do too much and to leave it low, right? especially with phone calls. Leave it high, leave it short. And then when it translates, when you start meeting these girls in real life, you don't have to spend an entire day and night every single time you see them. You know, when you're in the beginning stages of an open and free casual relationship, as we discussed in last week's full podcast on it, as we discussed last week, in the beginning of an interaction, you're going to have to invest. In, in, in the beginning of a casual relationship, you're going to have to invest and you're going to need to spend a whole day and a whole night with a girl just to really cement that connection, get to know each other. And it's a pleasure. But if you have to do that with five different girls, that's a big drain on energy. But if your priority is to learn about social dynamics and yourself in casual relationships, that's the priority choice you've made. Then yes, your other things in life are going to have to slide. Save the purpose. So manage of energy, energy management there. But as you get, say, into three months, six months in an open and free casual relationship, your girl is not going to be as... uh, dismayed if you're not spending an entire day and night with her right it's just in the initials of open and free setting up open free casual relationships that you do need to dedicate a good eight to 12 hours you know a good bit of time with a girl at the beginning but as you guys get to know each other more so and the same with the phone calls as well you don't have to spend so much time with each other because it's about the quality is what i'm speaking to there not so much quantity okay so t then comes and saying okay yeah cool my calls have been 45 to 90 minutes. Yeah, that is way too much time. Uh, I would not be, unless she's, no, that's, that's blue moon time, man. That's, um, that's my mother of children type time. You know, I'm maximum going to spend half an hour, like, but half an hour max, but I better not be doing much of the, the rest of the day. You know, that better be a Sunday afternoon. But even then, if you're trying to have five calls on a Sunday, 45 to 90 minutes. Yeah, that's, of course, I can see why you're getting overloaded. You know, cap it 10, 15 minutes, check-ins. 
you know, check-ins, unless she starts showing you something real awesome and then you can call an audible. But as a general principle, keep it high, keep it short. Don't keep it low and long. And then he says, okay, awesome. That's really answers my question. Thanks. Well, thank you for the super chat, T. Really appreciate that, $3 Australian. And uh, let's do it. Let's let's move on to, oh, there's another super chat. Oh, but just before I do hit that super chat, I do address questions that were related to this one, like on the same topic, so we don't have to come back to them later. So, Distracon had come in saying, this is going to sound really dumb. <laughs> it's okay, it's fine. But what does a casual relationship mean exactly? Okay, uh, Distracon, I did an entire podcast on it last week. I have in several videos dedicated to the topic, so I'm not going to dive into this too deeply. But what is a casual relationship? It means it's open and free. It's unattached. It's focused on the intent of learning about myself in relation to others. You want to know more? Go to last week's podcast. Johnny Wen says, thanks at T and Adam for that deep dive. I've got a lot of value from that as well. Thank you, Jane New. Good to see you here. Okay, and that's all that's related on that topic. So let's go to the next super chat. And by the way, if you guys are enjoying this content, go ahead and hit that thumbs up down below. It'd be most appreciated. And so now we move to the next super chat, which is a $5 super chat from Ben High, who's a World Bowl member as well. So is T. They're both World Bowl members. And he says, hey, Adam, I was wondering what are your best ways for managing your time slash schedule in this world of 10,000 distractions. Also, what's your diet looking like these days with a watermelon on the end? Fuck, I wish I could eat watermelon. (laughs) Tongue in cheek, tongue in cheek. So let's answer the first question. And Ben, just thank you so much for that $5 US super chat. Super appreciate it. It just goes back to supporting the channel. I really appreciate it, man. You've been uh, donating a lot regularly. So, and your presence in the world bowl was most appreciated. I want to say that. I just want to honor you for that. Uh, You've been doing real good, man. So keep it up. So to Ben's question, what's the best ways for managing your time slash schedule in the world of 10,000 distractions? So what's interesting, Ben, is that I kind of actually tapped on that a little bit in macro for T in terms of life hierarchy. So because Ben dropped a super chat here, I'm going to go deep on this. So I'll take you macro first, Ben, in terms of managing your time and schedule in in your life. But then we'll also go macro and I'll give you some macro tactics as well. So in macro, the best way I've found to manage uh, my time slash schedule is through life hierarchy. I had mentioned this briefly with T. Actually, I did mention it quite a bit actually, but just to sum it up because I think you get it anyway, which is that you need to align your activities and engagement in life. You need to understand which one is of what priority. You know, a lot of people think when they manage time and schedule, it's like, what am I doing at five o'clock? What am I doing next week? It's like, how about... Instead of that, and what do we call that? We call that forward engineering. When I manage my time, when I manage my schedule, it's all reverse engineered. I don't just do things and then seek to look for victory afterwards. I don't engage in battle and then look for victory afterwards. I, look, I already envision victory off the bat and then engage in battle. Victory is already won in the micro day-to-day, in the life macro across 70 years before I ever engage in battle. So what does that actually mean? And that, by the way, guys, that's just me quoting, uh, paraphrasing Sun Tzu from The Art of War, in which that we, uh, we do not engage in battle and then look for victory afterwards. Rather, the skillful tactician 
designs victory first and then engages in battle. So that's, and that's just a 2000 year old wisdom that could be repackaged today as I reverse engineer my life that I, that I already envisioned the end game first. So Ben in macro, that's why life hierarchy is how I like to look at managing time and schedule first, because that's designing victory before seeking to engage in battle. If I already know what's of the highest priority in my life, what needs to be done first? So what's my purpose? Number one, high life hierarchy. Life hierarchy. What's my purpose? That is always in, on the macro. If that's not, oh, you can see how it just feeds into the micro. It's so organic. If that's number one, then my micro time and schedule, all of the energy bars that make up my daily life should be given a majority to that because it's on the top of the hierarchy. Go one block down. If you look at the rest of your temple, we look at purpose, physical, mental, social development. Physical, mental, and social are remaining in your life hierarchy. So what's most important? Is social development more important right now or is physical? Is physical more important or mental? Which one's going to come first above those? You've got to make a decision. Okay, right now, social development is more important than my physical development. So that comes second underneath my life hierarchy. And then so on follows under. And then so in the micro, your energy bars can be accordingly allotted to that's macro though like that's in macro and then and then that'll make sure that you you never engage in a micro battle without knowing why without knowing why on the macro why i'm doing this you know people have such terrible scheduling and time management not because they don't know how to stay committed to 5 p.m do this 10 10 a.m do this but because they didn't even know why it had to be 10 a.m. there, 5 p.m. there. It's very hard to stay committed to something like that or to rigid discipline, to strict discipline and to maintain the principles of supreme excellence that sees a day of absolute execution if you don't know why you're doing it. So now that we know why, we can step down into those micros and go, I'll give you some tactics here on the day-to-day. There are typically two type of people when it comes to scheduling, Ben. You've either got people who are loose or who are rigid. People that need a hour by hour, 10 a.m., 11 a.m., 12 a.m., this is what I do, this is what it is, 5 p.m. we do this, and that they stick to it like uh, like it's religion, right? That's rigid, and they don't do well with loose-style thinking, in which that, if you look at, say, a day, I need to execute in the priority of life hierarchy, life purpose, and then whatever is going to be next for you. Let's just say it's social, then physical, then mental. Take those four. Those are the four things I need to do every single day. Right? That's my entire temple. Within your day, you can address those priorities of your hierarchy, either with a rigid style of that, okay, at this hour, I address life purpose. On this hour, I address physical development. On this hour, mental. On this hour, social. And that's very rigid. Or you can have a loose style of daily scheduling in which that still in accordance with the life hierarchy, but not by the hour, not by the minute, but rather just must be done. Must be done. However, and whenever it gets done, I will allow my daily emotions, my daily feelings, how, I'm, how I woke up that morning to really dictate that to uh, what, I, what I really just got inspired with that morning like in terms of the scheduling of it. If it's that, actually this morning, I just want to fucking go down to the beach and swim 20Ks. 
oh, I, I want to go down. I want to. I want to train first this morning, or this morning. Actually, I want to. I want to spend. I want to study the art of war this morning first instead. Or this morning, actually, I want to go out into the mall and I'm going to meet ten people the moment I wake up, and then. Or I'm going to do the business for. So, but you know that all four areas of the temple will be addressed throughout the day, just as to when and how is very loose. It's very liquid. It doesn't have a routine structure to it and can change day by day. And actually what's interesting about that style is that you might one day just choose to do five days of that in a row, but then give it and then completely change the next, the next week, right? That's still loose. That's still very loose. So that's the two different times from when I work here with my clients and I work with them on scheduling. I do this quite a bit with clients outside of dating. I talk about their life hierarchy. These are the two types of people and you've got to see what you respond well with. Me personally, I am far more leaning towards loose as in barring the things that actually have appointments like a physio appointment or I have a, a deadline to meet to submit this thing or whatever. Barring things that are not dictated outside of me like 9am, go to the physio, for example. For me, I much prefer a loose style because I'm very creative, very free-flowing. I'd rather wake up and go with the flow. Now, there are certain things within my morning routine that are hard and fast that will not change, aka the cold shower, aka the meditation, etc. morning routine outside on the grass. There are certain things that will not change, but through the rest of my life hierarchy, whether I do... Uh, email clients, whether I, you know, for outside of having clients that are booked in, because that's obviously a dictated time, but whether I, when I go train, uh, when I eat, when I do this, when I do that, when I go do study of some certain things, creative flow, whatever, meditate, all of these things I will do when I need to do, when I feel like I want to do them. I am not the type of person that does well with having a daily from nine to five Every hour is jotted in. Yet many of my clients absolutely love that and they optimize and perform very well on that. I know myself, that's not me. That's not me. So, you know, the business gets, it's like I know I need to do a certain amount of work with the business. So I'll do that when I need to do that, when I feel like that's best for me on that day. So we've gone macro, we've gone micro review. Make sure you know why you're doing what you're doing. Make sure the life hierarchy is in order. And then on the micro, choose a style of scheduling. Choose a style of, am I going to be very rigid with myself? If you don't even know, try it out. But you're going to need at least a month. It's not something you're going to find out in a day. You're going to need a month. Try rigid for a month, then try loose for a month, and then you'll find out which one do I suit better with. And how do you know which one works best? The results. When you look back on each month, how much did I achieve? How much did I achieve from month to month? And you can see, it's be very clear. Okay, it seems that with loose structure, I just got distracted. I got super distracted and I was just scrolling on YouTube and just searching up big ass pages on Instagram. And that's, what, that's, that's what guys who need rigid would fall into on loose. They just get distracted and they lose focus. But for me, if you know that you're not good for rigid, you find that you get depressed at the end of the day. You feel like I felt restricted, that your creative stuff was not very good, that the quality of the stuff you were producing was not so good because I was so rigid about it. So you'll see, you'll find it, you'll work it out for yourself. So Ben, thank you for that super chat. That's why we went deep on that. And uh, if there aren't any more super chats, I'm gonna address maybe five more minutes worth of questions and we'll get out of here, okay? It's been a hectic session though. Today's been a hectic session. 
Still fasted, by the way. Still fast. Haven't eaten any. <laughs> oh, by the way, oh, no, Ben had a follow-up question there about nutrition. Of course, Super Chat, we address everything in it. So he did ask me also, what's your diet looking like these days? Great question, Ben. So these days I am practically, I would say 95 to 100% carnivore, which for those who don't know what that means, basically just meat-based uh, animal products only. Because of my because my entire life, I've only ever eaten lean meat. But when you're on a carnivore-based diet, you need to get your energy from somewhere, which comes from fat because you're not taking really any carbohydrates in. So, but my body doesn't deal well, well with animal fat. And this is what I found out when I first started the carnivore diet. The diarrhea was hospital level, hospital grade. So at the moment, I'll, I can go about 10, 11 days without eating any animal, that's right, without eating any plants or any fruits or any nuts, no other matter. And my digestive system can be pretty okay. I'll be okay. But after day 10 or day 11, particularly if I have, if I get a piece of animal fat in, if like a particularly well marbled steak or a fatty piece of fish, uh, my, my stomach does not agree with the level of fat. So I eat a very high protein, very low fat style of meat-based nutrition. And that keeps me good. And, that, and that, that's pretty good. However, once every 10 or 11 days, I'll chuck in an apple, I'll chuck in uh, some spinach, I'll cook it through real good, maybe a little shredded carrot, and I'll just cook that through, and I'll just have one meal once every 10 days or so, just to just to help with the buildup of animal fat that goes through my system, just to make sure I don't get that really painful diarrhea. Now, for those that aren't in on the carnivore thing, most people don't aren't this sensitive. It's just something that I found on myself. Most people don't need to do this. Most people go, most people go years, go years uh, without having like that are in this that particular style of eating without eating any animal, sorry, without eating any plant based materials, and they're fine. But it's because of I've always eaten lean meat. So when I transitioned to uh, carnivore and I started eating heavily fat meat, lamb shoulder, uh, pork belly, that type of stuff just did not agree with me at all. So, but if I add a little fiber in, which helps to reduce the acidic, the the body's response, the acid that gets produced as a result of having to break down that fat, uh, that helps me out. So I typically eat very, very lean meat pretty much all the time. We're talking about kangaroo, which is basically 99% protein. Uh, very, very little chicken, like maybe a chicken thigh here or there. But basically, straight red meat, wild, organic, as good as it gets. Uh, fish, uh, salmon, or a king, little barramundi every now and again. It's very lean, so it's better, easier on my gut. Uh, eggs, a lot of eggs. Chicken bone broth, bone broth, salt, pepper, that's about it. That's about it. And then just once every yeah, 10 days, I'll check in like a... I'll chuck in a little bit of spinach, a little bit of apple, just to help reset the gut so I don't get any bad diarrhea from the fat. So that's about it. So anyways, Ben, thank you very much. Uh, much appreciated. So like I said, guys, we'll uh, I'll answer any other random questions for the next five minutes now, but otherwise we'll wrap it up because this has been a great session. We'll do a summary. Uh, okay, so Mr... 
Mr. Rogelioppa. Mr. Rogelioppa. I call him Rog. I call him. I call him. I call you Rog. Rog comes in asking a question of, "What could I do if I'm feeling apathetic about the whole dating aspect?" Mr. Rog, if you're feeling apathetic about the whole dating aspect, I would encourage you to remind yourself of the rarity of life. You're very lucky to be alive. There have not been very many human beings alive in this world. Now, this is a topic very close to my heart. It is an absolute privilege to be alive. Nowhere else in the universe does another tree exist. Nowhere else in the universe could you experience what you're experiencing right now. So to be apathetic about anything in this world is extreme complacency, extreme arrogance and complacency and a lack of perspective. And I'll just remind you that your state of living is very fragile. Every second, an average of three people per second die. There's three people gone. There's three people gone. There's three people gone. And there's three people gone. And so on. Now, on average, four new people are born every second. There's four people born. There's four people born. There's four people, but there's three people die, but then there's four people do The state of life in these physical mechanical bodies is so rare. It's so fragile to be depressed and apathetic about anything. It just, it makes very little sense to me. It's a choice. It's a choice. Now, if you've got a biochemical uh, imbalance in your mind, it's a different thing. But for most people, you're just making a choice. You're making a choice for most people. So heavily influenced by your nutrition, though. Heavily influenced by your life purpose, though. We'll say that. So if you're apathetic about the whole dating aspect, I'll just remind yourself to be extremely grateful that you could even perceive that. And then, that's on macro. In micro, what would you do then? What are you going to do about it? Uh, It's not good enough just to say that, woe is me, these are my problems. You need to design an action plan to go out and change your life. Change your thoughts, change your life. Shout out to Wayne. Okay, moving on from here. Milkshaker goes, for me, if I get rejected, it's fuel for me. Because I know I tried, at least, and can learn from it. But the more women I talk to and get to know, the greater the chance that something will happen. It's a good mindset. Well, the beginning is. The, the beginning milkshaker, when you say that you can learn from it, that's zenny. It's money. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, Distrackle then goes on saying, hey, well, thanks for doing the infill breakdown, bro. You helped me figure out a sticking point and how to fix it. No worries, man. Thank you. Ben comes in saying, good stuff, Adam. Much love. And I have been considering going carnivore now for some time. But with how much running I do, I've been resisting it because of how hard the carbs have been dished out to me. <laughs> yeah, I know, because you're a competitive runner as well. Listen, I'll say this to you, Ben. Uh, when I was on keto and I practiced keto for two and a bit years, and of course, this is all, just take this all for a grain of salt. Uh, this is just one of one but it's actually resounded by a lot of other people who have transitioned from keto to carnivore. Keto, I found myself very sluggish, very sluggish, particularly doing high-intensity mixed martial arts workouts. I uh, just couldn't get through them. Couldn't get through them. Really lacked the pop, really lacked the bang, really lacked, and lacking pop and bang over time. On keto, it's just, I just always, it just, the, the fat, fat being the primary source, fuel source, just was not good. It just didn't, uh, it didn't do well for me. So I switched back to including carbohydrates in, you know, uh, rice, fruits, etc., and things improved. However, 
The difference between keto and carnivore, if you go watch my full carnivore diet review, which is on the channel, which is that I said very hardcore in that one of the biggest pros of when I switched to carnivore was the increase in energy. That I could do two, three hour now, four hour podcasts without ever missing a beat, without ever getting drained in the mind. And that I could go long periods of time without ingesting anything yet, and particularly in high intensity workouts. When I switched to carnivore, doing high intensity shit, training heavy powerlifting in the morning and then doing jujitsu at night, purely on meat based, right? And never lacking any explosiveness, never lacking. And in, these are endurance as well. It's like jujitsu is both endurance and explosiveness. So is all of fighting. You're constantly being asked to uh, to bide your time and to continue a low steady a low steady state of activity and then to explode and then to go bang and then to back to slow steady dodging whip and what right and then so what I noticed Ben just from an athletic standpoint was that I never felt better from an athletic standpoint when I did used to eat a lot of carbs while it was good because it gives you a nice high and you can get a good bang for 30 60 minutes but then you hit that crash Whereas now, to give you an example, Ben, I haven't eaten since 8 p.m. last night. It's currently 1.21 p.m. I did an intense uh, powerlifting strength workout this morning with a little bit of shadow boxing at the end with the bag. And I've now done, what are we? We're, we're three hours 20 into this podcast. I feel just as sharp mentally now as I did at the beginning. I could never experience that ever when eating carbohydrates. What happens when you switch to a meat-based diet that's not keto, that's not heavy, heavy on the keto, right? Not, not where you also got a mixture of carbs in there as well. And you're constantly having to mix back and forth between those systems. But when it's high, high protein, that's what happens when you're on a carnivore diet. Your body's ability to produce its own glucose, its own uh, through the process of gluconeogenesis, it upregulates. So I am actually am using carbs when I'm going out and doing these workouts this morning, when I'm in the session review right now. Yeah, I'm sure I've got very high levels of ketones, but I also have very high levels of blood glucose and stored glycogen in my muscles. Because when you have very high protein mixed in with it as well, uh, that actually goes up. So in terms of running, for example, Ben, you may have heard of a famous runner known as Zach Bitter. He is co-host of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Sean Baker. But Zach Bitter holds world records for ultramarathons. He has the current world records for the 100 mile uh, and a couple other extreme long distance. Extreme long distance. He has several world records uh, in ultramarathon running. And he eats a primarily carnivore-based diet. So if you want to look for someone, just type into uh, YouTube, uh, Zach Bitter, and that's Z-A-C-H-B-I-T-T-E-R. He'll be a great reference for you to see runners that are on carnivore best diets, that are world record holders that are doing very well. Anyways, uh, this is not, by the way, I'm very liquid about everything. I'm not married to this style of diet. Like I said, like, uh, I realize that my body does not handle animal fat very well, but does very well on high animal protein so so i'm not i'm not afraid to uh chuck in a, an apple or some spinach if i feel like my gut 
if I had a little too much animal fat, that's fine. It helps to reset, but then I get straight back on. I'll do 10, 11 days straight of just nothing but animal uh, products, which I feel best on right now. I will tell you this though, Ben, when I tried to reintroduce plants and vegetables, when I, I did eight weeks straight of hardcore carnivore, and I mean nothing but animals and salt and water entered my body, not even pepper, not even a single leaf entered. I didn't go out to eat at all. So it was like, when I tried to reintroduce uh, plants and vegetables, the inflammation was insane. The sore knees came back. The sore elbows came back. Uh, tons of breakouts. My acne came back. And, uh, and I've been trying to, I went through a period of trying to reintroduce plants and vegetables back into my diet. And, but then I just felt really bad. So then went on last couple of weeks, went just straight hardcore carnivore again. And then, oh, all of a sudden my knees stopped hurting. My elbows stopped hurting. Uh, scars and acne scars start to reduce. So yeah, that's just me. It's just one-on-one. I'm not neither or courage, neither encouraging nor uh, unencouraging. Just explore for yourself because all that really matters, like beyond the data and all this is how do you feel? How you feel will always be the greatest indicator of is this working for you or not. Some people feel great on fruits and vegetables and more power to them. Get them. Some people feel great on vegan. Not for very long though. But for the time being that they do, great. Do vegan, you know, do what you want to do. Okay, moving on to the next random. We might we won't do a summary after the next one. Ben and then come and saying, I've been considering going carnival now for some time. Oh no, no, we already got that. Never mind. Distract on saying, nowhere else in the universe is there another tree. Damn, that hit me. There isn't, man. That's what's so beautiful about it. So rare to be here. Jason, Kakashi, yo, looks like I'm here at the end. Tail end of the session. I'll have to rewind this. Kakashi, you missed an intense session. We did infield breakdowns. Also, Kakashi, I haven't seen you active in the World Bowl in a really long time. Like, I haven't seen you do any of the video challenges or responding to anyone. I hope everything's okay. Hope you're okay, man. Uh, Jay New comes in saying, definitely understand that I am the average of those I spend my time with. Thank you for adding to my average in a direction of development, Adam. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate that. And that was a great video you posted in the World Bowl on your conversation with your mate. Great application of last week's lessons. Well done. Ben coming in saying, oh, check out the carnivore video that I made. Yeah, just on the bowl. Type in the bowl channel, carnivore diet review. You'll get that. And he says, I'm definitely learning away, leaning away from all the vegan nonsense being pushed these days, especially since I went vegan for a year, two years ago. Holy shit, you did it for a year? And now, and I have never been eating more volume and starving together. Oh, legit. I've, I also tried veganism and my body broke down. The injuries were insane when I went straight vegan. Just, it's obvious. Your body just cannot repair. If you don't provide it with the nutrients to repair that it prefers, shit. You know, it's a near, yeah. Like, I'll, I've done that experiment and my body rejected it hard. Hard. Uh, Kikashi then coming and saying, yes, everything's all good. Just really busy with union work. Ah, no worries, man. Just want to make sure you're okay. Very good. So my friends, this is where I wrap up this podcast. Let's get a little summary though. From boring nerd to fun lover. What did we learn today? 
I'll say, if you could have taken anything away from this session, it's that it's not a static, solidified nature, that it exists within all of us, the potential, and that it is our choice through our actions, through who we spend our time with, through our mentalities, as to which one we will spend more time in, our habitual state paradigm. If I wish to move into this fun-loving, fun-loving, exciting person that is willing to take risks, willing to excite, willing, willing to say things that will offend people, that will sometimes cause me to look like a bit of an idiot, that will cause me to say a little bit of stupid things sometimes, but in doing so allows me to connect and to exchange who I really am. If I want to do that, well, then I have to get reps there and I have to give myself permission first that that's okay and that I will not be so permission-seeking, but rather I will ask for forgiveness if and when I do make a mistake. Otherwise, you will be relegated to the badlands of the Mr. Nice Guy puppy dog who is the boring nerd, who minds always his P's and Q's, who does everything by the book Captain Norrington style from Pirates of the Caribbean. That, and, and of course, women will connect with you, Sal. Women will connect with you. People will connect with you. Never deeply, though, because they don't truly really know you. And sexual progression will be at a loss. At a loss, because if you can't open up and show that, hey, I'm willing to just be me and just, you know, be that baby. Be that baby. There are no boring babies. There are no babies that aren't willing to look you in the eye. There aren't any babies that aren't willing to communicate explicitly how they are feeling. All babies are unexplicit, uh, truly explicitly themselves. All babies are truly explicitly themselves. And if you can, just, you, if you can learn that you look at that and go, oh, so the naturals, they just connect to their baby. The naturals who don't give a fuck are always lighting it up with girls. When you look at those two infield on. Uh, audio interactions I played for you guys today. The difference between Adam number one and Adam number two was that Adam was just doing him in number two. Adam in number one was trying to do what he thought the girls wanted him to do. And that's why everything went wrong in interaction one. Interaction two, Adam didn't give a fuck about what he thought she wanted him to do. He just did as he wanted to do. If you can do that, that's money. <laughs> that's Zeddy. <laughs> so that's a wrap to this summary uh, to this podcast, guys. If you haven't already, just drop a thumbs up on the video before you leave. That'd be most appreciated. And also, if you guys have questions in the in the post podcast, just come back on the YouTube video, drop it down below. We'll get it. And uh, until next week, I thank you all for being here. I'm wishing you all the best in your journeys, in your social development, COVID situation, the fear mongering is coming to an end. Things are getting back to normal. So I wish you all the best in your journeys. Let's do it. Much peace and much joy. Yeah. Thank you very much, my friends, for diving into this episode of Social Q&A Live. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you had a great time. And just before you run off, don't forget, that guided meditation, Eternal Energy, has now been released, now available at boldojo.com. Dive into who you are and evolve beyond. You can also pick up the ebook, book one-on-one Skype coaching, all at boldojo.com. Donate anything you wish through the PayPal links or the Autoju Podcast uh, donation link. All of that's tremendously appreciated. And I'd also love your feedback on this session. Whether you want to... Actually, I'd most appreciate your feedback on the actual YouTube videos itself. If you go into YouTube, 
drop your comments there. That's probably the best way. It really just helps support the channel. And I always, uh, I actually source the next episodes of Social Q&A from the previous episodes of Q&A. I often just look at the comments and often find really good uh, ideas for topics there. So if you got a suggestion for a future Social Q&A that we can kick things off with, just head over to the YouTube channel at The Bowl and uh, drop it down there. Get engaged, subscribe to the channel, support what's going on here. And that would be uh, tremendously appreciated. With that being said, I wish you all the absolute best in your lives. Much peace and much joy.